So we'll try to um, choose a bunch which sort of some ways line up. Questions? Mm. This is Qigong energizing. I feel a difference during this practice. Well, that note the difference, that difference is, is an energetic difference and it tends to, uh, in a way, reshape one's experience of, of body. And if it, uh, so you get a sense of what is meant by subtle body. So we obviously we can see this called the, the coarse body, nothing personal. But um, this kind of visual experience, materiality and tactile. And so we assume that's, that's the body. Well, that's one way of experiencing it. We also call the subtle body or an energy body, which is much more related to, say, a nerve, nerve system, nervous energy. If you look at it in that sense. Um, something of those, those lines. And of course, that's very meaningful because that's how we very much experience ourselves in an embodied way where we feel compressed, pressed in, spacious, you know, jumpy, uh, um, numb, warm, flowing. It's all, that's all the, um, the subtle body or the energy body. And so Qigong is one way of directly addressing this body and smoothing it out and stabilizing it and and letting its energy rebalance and so you don't you know that's one way we do it and it's helpful because it does help to when you meditate you're coming into a much healthier uh, place you're sending your your attention your your breathing and your awareness into a healthier place mm. And that's uh, because, you know, if you if you if the body's all sort of tangled up inside, and you just bring your attention into it, then attention alone doesn't necessarily change that. You just become more attentive, aware of what a mess you are <laughs> <laughs> on that level. So that by itself may be a realization, but it isn't necessarily remedial and so the sense of well how do you release this and often we try to release that through you know deliberate stabilizing and sometimes that that works it works to a degree but really overall what works whatever way you approach it is you begin to sense a basic health or vitality or flowingness you know that can come just through meditation alone you're just focusing on breathing and getting that nice and steady and gradually that quality begins to pervade the body and sort of rearrange it so it starts to come out of its contracted places um, but sometimes it's the case that it's you know it's a bit more intense the the, the, the bodily somatic um, confusion or distortion is a little more intense than that and some, so it actually makes breathing itself can become rather difficult, you know. Um, so it doesn't, you know, certainly if the breathing is fine, that's good. But quite often it's the case that people even find breathing, mindfulness of breathing, quite tough. Even though it's supposed to be like a pleasant abiding, 
This is, my sense of this is primarily because, you know, what tends to take over is, is diaphragm breathing. Yeah. Now what I mean by that is if we go into what I call the natural state, which perhaps isn't so natural, then the diaphragm is really pretty relaxed and most of the, the breathing is powered by the, the abdomen. It's quite slow. It's almost like sleeping. It's a slow baby-like ease. Uh, yeah. They call it the rest state. And that's, so that's the state, optimal, natural, you know, un, un, in, you know the, the present but not activated state. So that's really, your center is low in the belly, and your everything above that is pretty open, relaxed, and receptive, and you can feel breathing, just the breath moving through. Um, and so the energy there is quite steady and soft, and not particularly um, hasn't got a lot of charge, and it's just soft and diffusive. And that's what hap- can happen in meditation when when you come into those samadhi. That tends to be of that nature. And the body feels quite light. Now, what happens for an ordinary person is that amount of energy is not enough to deal with high impact living. Mm. We want to push. We've got to push because we're in a hurry. So, what happens is a pumping occurs. The pumping occurs through the solar plexus, saying, "Yeah, that's that's great. But I want more." So it sort of, sort of pumps, and there's a contracting quality in, in the solar plexus. To, to get more push going. And that's associated with willpower, isn't it? Right? When you really toughen up for the big lunge, you can feel that tightening there. Now, that, that's also, yeah, okay. But we'd say in a kind of manageable state, that occurs for like 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and oh, right, we finished that, and now back to the natural state. Breathing in, breathing out, relaxing. Now I'd suggest that for many people that that 10 minutes actually is 15 hours. You know, in other words, you go from this and that was another thing and then that. So it never really properly discharges. We don't go back to the natural state. In fact, we stay in that particular mode or something like it, high impact, high pressure, living as a kind of the norm, you know, because stuff's happening so fast. And there's a certain pressure to, to achieve and to get things done and so forth. So you remain that, that state. Till in fact the natural state is forgotten. Yeah. Sometimes people can't even sleep properly. Because the nat- you don't really go back to the natural state. Or we have to take some medicine to do so. Now that, that what that does is that the solar plexus is a, 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 a I don't know, nerve center and the diaphragm. The diaphragm is got connected all kinds of what are called fascia tissues, which is like film around the, 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 the musculature of the body. So it acts like a screw. And when it tightens up, this compression occurs all around the torso. So you get these bands. And so now naturally feels rather hard-edged. And, and that's, you know, quite, quite hard on the surface, quite quite tight on the surface, and that becomes normal. Mm. And this is when you you know when you when you're 
pushing through stuff you you want that that hard surface in a way but the hard surface is occurring around an area that's naturally soft which is the heart and the front of the body so it's it's an unnatural kind of emergency condition that we may have to go into but ideally we want to come out of it again <laughs> yeah and we don't we don't necessarily know the natural and we don't necessarily know how to switch off discharge we know how to charge and that becomes very important to but to discharge takes longer than to charge up we charge quite quickly if you do that you grip but to let go is you know three five times longer and we haven't got time for that so we remain in that state this very much affects everything in the somatic experience of the body if it was tight compressed sometimes we don't we're just up you know up into the top of the body the head which is also tightened up around the eyes and the forehead this is not good so and then meditating from that even words like meditation become translated into another imperative performance to be good at and to get done you know know, on on an emotional level we, we then mindfulness breathing becomes another thing to try and get good at or and and you're putting more pressure onto it onto a system that's already in pressure so you know that's why something like qigong can can just help because it it changes without it changes the the structuring and the somatic experience of the body helps to loosen uh, the soft tissues of the body while maintaining that that fundamental quality of ground now that is very important. We have that ground, which is qigong is is done through the standing position, and you certainly you could meditate doing that and try to find that central axis because that is your ground, that's your axis, that's your pole, that's your yeah, that's your thing, and without that, then the body doesn't know itself. It tends to be very much you know dependent on external experiences to hold it up because it hasn't got its central quality mm-hmm. and so it's never really feels completely safe and completely my own it's always impacted by everything else because it doesn't know its center the center is absolutely quiet and it's no it hasn't got a sensation to it so we don't know it because it doesn't feel like anything it, it's the quiet center and it just feels when it's there you just feel at home you feel yeah you know and that allows feeling to to move and pass because you that place is not impacted by feeling hmm. so that central axis is very significant without it we never are completely secure with it you can be secure and so with that why we sit you know and the buddha saying he sits with spine erect not much he doesn't say much about posture just sitting cross leg with spine erect now just look at that as a picture what's that you've got the basis and then you've got this axis going up and sure we can do that physically you know we can more or less mimic that or go into that 
but we don't really fully experience that. The very experience is just holding my body up with muscles. You don't really experience that inner axis. And Qigong does help you to experience that. And then the breathing, clearly in one sense, that's just coming in out of the lungs, the diaphragm. But as the diaphragm relaxes and you're able to, the breath, breathing could descend, particularly at the end of the out-breath, and just turning back, you can almost sense an inner current, an inner core that's uh, the rising, and there's the soft sense within, open sense within the body, mm. and that really is, uh, you know, there's a beautiful place for meditation in there. So the energy here is not about you can do all kinds of things with qigong, like uh, it's, a, it's a martial art. It's a basic battery charge, you can do all kinds of things with it. But here, the what I'm doing is not the aim, is not really that to develop a lot of power, but just to develop balance and space and fundamental health, fundamental, you know, easy well-being, so that one can meditate more, more comfortably. So there's a couple of questions here. How do I know if I'm present and balanced? Well, hmm, what's it feel like to be unbalanced and absent? Hmm. Present and balanced. So present and balanced, there's no pressure in that. There's no drive in that. Just pure present and balanced. The nature of balance is it's the freedom from inclination one way or another, isn't it? We're not leaning forward or back. We're not having to hold ourselves up. It's just balance. That's balance. Now, that's that's the thing to, that's the quality to sense. And generally we sense that through sensing in balance. We, we know not, no, to, you know, mm, uh, mm, mm. ah, there where the pressure is, is releases. And you can do this physically, it's quite good to do it physically, uh, because your body does know that, that's, it's, it's another given. The body has the vestibular sense, which means the sense of being able to orient around a midline, and What's that feel like? What happens to your muscles in that? What happens to your sense of rest or, or, or ease in the body? What happens to the mind state? Tuning into that. Standing meditation is, is a good way to, to start to tune in and experience that. Um, and it means, for example, one is much less easily rocked by phenomena. You know, if we don't have balance, we're easily rocked by, by feeling. If there's balance, it's a sense of, oh, you know, there's, there's some place in where th- there's a freedom from that, 
that oppression. Can you talk more about the elements and how to discern what, how to balance them in one's body? Elements are properties and there are lists of them, but the primary elements, the four, well there's also the fifth which is space, but the four are earth, air, fire and water, and space is, is a fifth and it goes on. Well, it's to deal with the f- those five. I think the fifth fifth one is also very helpful. Mm. So, mm. so earth, the element, is the experience of that which can withstand pressure. Like the tree or the mountain, that which can with- you can push against it and it resists pressure. It's able to experience pressure and remain stable to some degree or another depending of course on the on how earth it is from a rock steady to you know sort of slightly clay like it's, it's a little more not quite so firm that's the felt sense of somatic experience of it call it basic ground and where you can pick that sign up most obviously, is by focusing on the pressure of your body sitting on the ground or the seat and just really, almost as you come to that that experience, begin to just relax the idea of the body, this image one has of legs and trunk and and the image or the impression of the ground or the seat and just feel that contact impression. It may be tingly, it's probably not just one element, but the prominent, predominant element will be a sense of firmness. And take that in, till almost the body, the idea of the body almost disappears, and we just have that quality. The visual body that we carry around in, our, in the back of our minds is what we are. Just let that one fade and go into just just that and so you take pick up that sign and you know it's anywhere else that experiences anything of that nature you might feel the shoulders what we call the shoulders or the spine or the boniness And feel it is the sense of the primary strength of the body. That is, it's not like paper or tissue, is it? Certain firmness there. So we just pick that sign up and dwell upon it, make much of it, till it becomes a a derived sign or nimitta. Absorbs into that. Till in fact the almost the visual impression of the body disappears, and we just have this sense of a basic solidity. So you dwell upon it, keep bringing it back. There's the earth element. Now, fire element, quality of warmth or vitality, and you can find places in your body that perhaps warmer, like the palms of your hands or the sides of your body, under your arms, where it's nice and warm. 
Well, the fire element, obviously, there's warmth, and there's places that are not so warm. And just noticing, reading the experience of body in terms of caloricity, warm, cooler, very warm, quite chilly. Oh, there's there's reading it in terms of of warmth. Another sign of fire is vitality, the quickness, the sparkiness, the the nervy, the you know the light even feeling the quickness or the vitality or even the lack of it. So we're measuring, reading our embodiment in that way. And again, simply make make much of that till the visual impression of the body more or less disappears and you have this sense of just this warm, warm essence, warm bag, you know, whatever you call it. Yeah. Warm zones. And they tend to pulse bringing it to the fore whatever you place your attention on that becomes that attention and awareness amplifies what you place it upon so if you place your awareness and attention on on earth element that becomes dominant if you place your attention awareness on a happy experience that becomes dominant as we all recognize what tends to happen is our attention is drawn towards dukkha and that becomes prominent so you want to have some say over that so we're not constantly re-traumatizing ourselves going back into the simplicity of earth fire warmth how nice how simple how complicated is how simple that is just to be a warm body the air element, that which exerts pressure, pushes. It could be the swelling of the breath in the, bo- in the belly, in the chest. Yeah. And that pressure can be something as obvious as that, or slighter senses of flushing through the limbs. Mm. We might sense even as you breathe in, a sense of some flushing through the face. When you say pressure, pressure may be too strong a word, but a brushing sense of that which is moving through tissues in that way. So obviously breathing is the most um, apparent example of that. The water element is rather more tricky. We don't have so many wet places in the body that we can feel, the mouth, perhaps the palms might feel slightly damp at times so one of the qualities of the water is called the cohesive that is and so we're developing that or trying to tune into that in some of our our movements by the sense of how everything flows together so when we move the, uh, the hand the arm moves when we move the hand and the arm the head moves it's not all broken up into one bit going one way, one bit going the other way, one bit left out. There's a cohesiveness, that the sort of the flow of, because that's actually the way it is. If you notice you, the sensation in your finger, and then doesn't that run into sensation in your palm? Doesn't that run into sensation energy in your wrist? Doesn't that run into energy running up your arm, where's the, where's the dividing lines? 
and it could be if there is a dividing line it's called a, a blockage so the healthy quality of the water element is the way it rather like a lake everything it melts everything into a unity and we can experience that also in embodiment clearly the water element is uh, is is uh, of that nature but of course it means everything is affected by everything so if you strike your finger on something that runs up your arm the shiver of that the resonances of that run up the arm don't they if the body is is relaxed this doesn't cut off now if it is all broken up then maybe it doesn't don't experience it that way if it's cut up so coming out of fragmentation is 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 helpfulness is another reason why we present qigong as a way of coming out of the fragmented state space element that which allows which is open which is around us it's the emptiness of the throat opening the throat uh, opening the mouth opening the cavity of the mouth opening the throat like like you're about to sigh you know, space element and with some skill and some encouragement noticing the space around your body um, between your arm and your chest between your arm and the side of the body you know it is essential because if there were no space how would you experience your body it would just be you know, completely compressed, wouldn't it? The fact there can be movement, and then we can even have a sense of widening our attention around our body, particularly as we move, is is a quality of the space element. Space element is the absence of pressure. So it's openness, allowing um, the absence of pressure. So it's a very significant element for a meditator. Um, and they also have certain psychological qualities as as you can recognize even in the language you know getting grounded feeling warm heart warmed or fired up you know um, things breezing along just happily (laughs) yeah and of course water as the compassion sense of everything is able to be sensed felt empathize with and everything resonates and then returns to stillness water doesn't cut anything out it's the that quality space give me some space we know what that means and the imbalances are when the earth becomes rigid so we become too 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 earth the fire becomes too inflammatory the air is just blowing all everywhere and has no direction uh, it's impulsive and the water just gets stagnant and swampy. We feel kind of saturated, too saturated with emotions. It doesn't have enough clear. Um, well, yeah, that's that perspective. Now, balancing them then is a matter of actually that they should all be present. Yeah. So as we sense ourselves into earth, perhaps as a really helpful grounding quality, notice 
warmth and also the movement of breathing in and out. So ideally you try to bring all together. And the breath is a great, breathing is a great balancer because it, in a way it naturally it's air but it also has a sense of vitality, fire. It also has a certain grounding quality to it, particularly the end of the out breath. And it also has a sense of space in it. And it also flows and suffuses the entire body. So all the elements are present in breathing. Breathing can suffuse the entire body. So this is how you cultivate. But just beginning to learn, if you like, the felt language of these things, these elements. So we have a few, oh here's another one, I feel my body is like a boat bobbing about on the waves. When I practice meditation I am forcing my body to become still rather than allowing it to arrive into stillness or not, however long this may take. This concerns me because it feels as if allowing my body to move or rock or incline, i.e. to bob, facilitates awareness, entrainment, connection with subtle arises which might otherwise not be felt so clearly or perhaps even missed altogether. And yet the instruction I have received is to move as little as possible. What is skillful? Well, sounds like seems like you're saying that, that bobbing is skillful. What your note seems to imply that. Mm. Sounds like it to me. Um. So, yeah, I mean, generally... You know, it does take a little while for things to find their their balance, so to shift into into stillness or to find the place of of balance. So remember, balance. If you look at stillness, really as balance, you don't get balance by locking everything up, do you? Tightening up. You get balance by softening and just shifting a little. And there was that, and foot, and then. Well, that's about right. So it's often a subtle movement towards balance. I would just add that, you know, what you want, wants to look out for in that is, yes, the inclining to stillness, but the stillness is not imposed from outside, but actually is discerned inside, within, as the sense of balance. As, now everything's just about in true, you know, the, the head, the spine is above the pelvis, that's about right. The shoulders are, you know, that's about right. So try to find balance as the sign of stillness. But do try to incline towards that, because that will certainly help the energies to settle and, uh, and becomes more useful. 
more workable. Um, so, I've got a lot of anger. When I try to locate where it is, it seems like it's everywhere. It looks like a mass of black lines with flames coming out the top. When I ask what it wants, it says attention. It says, I say, I'm giving you attention. It wants attention from others. Why? Not enough from parents. Then I get mad at it for being mad about that. (laughs) (laughs) What I do about this. Mm, well, I think you were just about there with it. It looks like a mass of black lines with flames coming out on top. That sounds quite, um, quite um, mm, clear. And uh, mm, so, if it. Mm, And so just sensing that, staying with that, and trying to sense, you know, is it whereabouts, if it's everywhere? You said on top, so on top seems to me the sense there is some location. If it's everywhere, there'd be no top, would there? So there must be some sense of there's a top, therefore there's, you know, a bottom, I guess. So that means definitely there's some kind of location there. Um, anyway, so just getting around that, creating some space around that, uh, and that's helpful because by and large our attention by itself tends to go into things and get curious and get into things and maybe with that even try to make those things change or happen or understand them or release them or explore them or do something with them. Um, And that isn't the right kind of attention for this phenomenon. Um, This phenomenon needs just to stand around it, stand around that, be around that, open some space around that. Now, because this is where the others are, it wants attention from others, well, where are others? No. no. Others are that which is around or outside of this experience. That's where the others are. If I am here, the others are what's out there around me. If you want attention from others, well, get the others are out there. They're around you. And what kind of attention does it others? I'd imagine the others should be sort of, you know, sympathetic in some way saying whoa look at that isn't that interesting or how beautiful or a quality of of resonance with that experience it's because you don't want others to be antipathetic so you see others 
can be really other, which which is lost and an antipathy, or other can be sympathy, right? So the connected or the aligned or the attuned other is very, very helpful. The disconnected other is very, very unhelpful. So we've got to find that other which is resonant with experience, which is, aha, ah, how is that feeling? Like a question, tell me more about that. Um, so you think, oh, please tell me more about yourself. That's quite sympathetic, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So I'd suggest picking up those themes of that that in line with that, at the attuned other, rather than the, you know, disappointed other or fed up other or or dis- disconnected other. Now, in the, from that attuned other, uh, resonant other, will in that in that kind of relationship will begin to quite naturally what will tend to catalyze around that is some sense of what's what's helpful like sounds like uh you know just even a sense of another that says well how are you or um you know that is already compassionate isn't it kind and compassionate from there specific more specific details might arise in due time. So the first response is really quite transpersonal. It's just, this is phenomenon. It's not a person, it's just a phenomenon. Black, whatever it is. And around that, some space with a sense of, oh, how is it to be there? What's that? How is that? Tell me more. And that's quite anonymous in a way. But from that, what tends to occur is, is can be that with that, it's a kind of catalyzing of a personal moment. And this is really interesting. You know, as that happens, suddenly you get this kind of moment of suddenly, you know, a person who was difficult flashes through the mind, or an incident that was difficult flashes into awareness. And ah, oh, that was it. So you go from the transpersonal holding and the release, I suggest, will come through the specific personal detail, which you might not even really remember or know. But I think you've got a vague hint of that. But try to first of all go to the transpersonal because working from the personal without the transpersonal it is that's not that's analysis that's not meditation it's a different process it's not a chitta process that's something else Similar question, unclear about the process of releasing and resolving difficult emotional states. 
When an emotion arises around a negative thought or memory, I can observe the feeling in the body and stay with it as it changes and passes. Often a word or image arises, describes the felt sense and the underlying emotion, but no clarity or aha moments follow. The emotion and bodily feeling recur just as strongly the next time the thought or emotional memory occurs, despite my intellectual understanding of the delusions behind it. Well, I think we you have to wait and, and pause around that that place where it, one feels slightly disappointed that it's not happening. You know, felt, describe the felt sense of the underlying emotion. Okay. Oh, there's no clarity or aha. So what's that emotion? Stuck, disappointed, not working. There's another emotion. Mm-hmm. So how is it to be with that? So these often these processes will kind of tend to lead from one to another to the to the place that can release. And by and large, we you can imagine or bring to mind a sense of. These, these somatic and emotional states being in layers. You know, there can be the anger and then the being angry about the anger and then just feeling really tired of all this stupid stuff going on and then feeling oh, defeated by it all and then, oh, just I want to go and kick a wall or eat something on so you get a cold cascade and then feeling ah oh, I can't do this anyway defeat you know so these emotional processes can roll on and you, you just got to go with it to the point where oh, that's the one this one at this time that's the one that one can aha uh-huh, who's there and it, you know sometimes it can be the case that the release moment is almost a sense of her or him, me, you know, in that, that particular place. Oh, it becomes specific person. Here I am again. Oh, and then uh, being with that, then the moment of specific clarity, groundedness, and compassion, you know, you don't have to have an answer. You don't have to be perfect. Somewhere in there, you get to the the first point that can be released. And sometimes, because often, the problem is we, we do intellectually understand. It's so frustrating when it intellectually understands and it still doesn't work. <laughs> Because the, the release is not an intellectual understanding. 
And some, sometimes that the, the humbling is to recognize, I, I understand this very well, why can't I dang well do it? Mm. So there's that, defeated. <laughs> it's okay. What's this? So warm, warm acceptance of even of, of that point where we we feel, you know, lost or out, and then as that changes, that can be the place where the whole process unravels slowly. We mentioned about releasing karma through meditation practice. How does this work? Well, very much along the same lines. So, you know, karma is a is a word, and uh, we can understand the concept. Perhaps um, karma is generally you know the two kinds. Well, two forms of it: the active. And the, the, then the result, the result's called old karma. And the new stuff is new karma. Old karma we pucker. That's in a way where we start from. There is this old karma. There's this old residue. This is inheritance, which loosely speaking carries the sense of I am this. I am in this. I am this. This is my basis this is where i am my pattern is this that's called the old karma that which is inherited and that tends to be the springboard for new karma that is because i'm this i do that so that jump comes from the springboard of one's old karma and therefore well basically we reiterate that so Lo and behold, we have a continuity. Here I am again, doing going through the same old stuff, you know, round and round. So the old karma suggests where the new karma can go, and boing, here I am again. And so it goes on. Here I am in my, I am obliged. Here I am in, I'm the one who carries all the weight. Here I am in, I'm the one who can't do. Here I am, I'm the one who's blemished. Here I am, here I am, here I'm the one who's... <laughs> You know, that's the old pattern. And then you touch into it and boom. Because the, it's like the first thing that jumps out. If you've got a load of cows in a, in a barn, which one's going to get out of the door? The one nearest the door. The one that goes out most often, isn't it? Is the one that's going to get out the door first. So what's the first one that jumps out of the door? Is the one that always jumps out quickly. The cow nearest the door. So the cow nearest the door is the old karma, the one that you've most often activated. So that's the one that's going to get out first. So that's that's, just, that's the requirement for pause. And is there any, any other cows behind that one? You know, and maybe back in is a little kind of slightly more timid cow at the back of the back of the barn. So you, you can come out. You know. 
this way. And so something perhaps less assertive, less uh, me, less immediate, kind of a bit more vague maybe. Uh, And then that can be a change. So one changes. And clearly there are, if we can pause, come off topic, if you like, as I've suggested, come out of the Sankara. Sankara are the karma agents. And these kind of energy lines or tendencies or programs or habits. We stop that or come out of it or at least be aware of it. And then is there another pattern that could run here? Now, in very strong karmic tendency, when you've got a big, big cow who has always come out of the barn first, you don't think there's anything else there. So you just pause and just give it some space. Uh, And so certainly part of our practice is just in deliberately cultivating uh, different creatures, different cows, like the uh, um, you know generosity, morality, self-respect, loving kindness. These other creatures. So making them come out more and more often. And patience and breathing in, breathing out. Different creatures coming out. So you've got some sense of as alternatives. And then the more you develop that, it can be that moment when suddenly one of these others get to the front of the line first. (laughs) Then you you begin to change the the patterns. Now releasing is just the, is as through that sense of there being different potentials, and we can be slightly different beings. You know, our programming can be slightly different. And you begin to see that tiny differences. Or, I could get, and I won't. I could run that out, but I won't. And I'll wait, see if something else can happen. And even what's really needed now. So you're encouraging another response. His response is tentative could be just pausing, could be breathing out, could be a number of things, you know. So once you begin to sense the different potentials there are, then the the big domineering uh, cow, Sankara, it's not me. It's a big one, but it's not me. It's not the total story, it's not me. And then there can be just a sense of space around that, enough to, okay, there she goes. and We're no longer so invested in that. And there could be some space around it. And that, that essentially, then that one can, can be released from being me. And we do this time and time again. It's generally not a one shot. So the substituting which is generating skillful sankara, skillful cultivation, skillful karma, that's helpful. It's, you know, particularly in terms of we don't checking our physical and verbal actions, but that itself is not 
quite the same as release. It's, it's, it's sort of substitution. Release comes when the, the original one, the me one, comes out and you go, something goes, ah, oh, there she is again, oh well. Dispassion, detachment, withdrawal. Bye. <laughs> it just sort of rolls and it's no substitution of another form it's just that form you know we don't invest in it we don't give it the energy doesn't transfer into it so it begins to fade die out niroda ceasing of karma This is not a small topic and not a, not a finger snap solution, but it is uh, something to, to bear in mind. You know, the substitution, which is necessary just to build up resources, but then what's sometimes called insight is the process of called viveka, withdrawal, a sense of emotional withdrawal, lack of emotional investment getting some space, viraga, not getting reactive to it, niroda, letting it come to stillness, and osaga, relinquishment. It's done. You know? And it's, so again, this is just not one topic. It can be many, there are many strands of, of a karmic, package just a couple more this morning you referred to belonging with others we don't then we drift into thinking and detachment can you please say more don't quite know what that means really Sorry, I can't right now. What are some instructions for practice while listening to you speak Dhamma? Mm, I'll try not to fall asleep. (laughs) 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 But if you do, then uh, I can be with that. Um, (laughs) So... By and large, I I would estimate that when I when I speak Dhamma, there's, you know, maybe twenty percent of that's for you right now, and mm, so you just you're listening and letting it flow, and oh, dong, you wait for the resonances. I wouldn't try to to um, strain, you know, <coughs> just let it let it run, run through. And pick up the image or the resonance of the bit where you, where you, you kind of something you listens up, but um, you know, 
just uh, just give give reasonable <laughs> alertness to the to the process uh, of listening, and then just waiting for the elements or the the features that seem striking, meaningful to you at this time. Um, although I say many things, and sometimes I just think I'm saying the same thing over and over again in slightly different language. So you'll, 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 you'll get it. You'll get the bit that you need. Okay. So that's enough for now. Thank you. So let's have a loose few moments.